Good morning, good afternoon. What's going on, Richmond? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a 12 noon on a Friday, September 8th. And folks, it is a great day to talk football. The NFL is back. How about that one last night with the Chiefs losing at home to the Detroit Lions? We'll recap the game today on NFL Hits, plus Look ahead to the NFL Sunday schedule. There's a ton of big games. I already told you yesterday, my certified game of the week. We'll be doing this every Thursday on AWOD Radio. My certified game of the week, guaranteeing you that it would be must-watch TV. That's Monday Night Football with the Jets against the Bills. Uh, we got Dude Food coming up today at 115. Mike Barber to go around the ACC at 130. And then I'll give you my pick for our Odyssey NFL Survivor Pool. I will make my selection at 2 p.m. today on AWOD Radio. The Commanders are back at home. They're going to welcome home all these old-school legends. John Riggins will be in the building. You'll have RG3 back in the building. Champ Bailey was just announced. uh, FedEx Field is going to be rocking on Sunday. Tailgate Ted will be there. He'll join the show at 2.30. But you guys know how we like to start the show, by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world. It's not the sports wallet, definitely not the sports phone. It's time for the sports app. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64K. This one, this one. The sports app. All right, let's start in the NFL. I hope you guys were listening yesterday and took my bet. You can sign up FanDuel, promo code AWOD. I gave out the first touchdown of the game to be scored by Amon Ra St. Brown. Didn't happen on the first drive as the Lions went three and out. Chiefs did the same thing, had to punt. Lions drive right down the field. Fake a punt on fourth down. That was a game-changing play. And then Amon Ra St. Brown with the first touchdown of the NFL season. That was plus 1,000 if you signed up on FanDuel with the promo code AWOD. But really, I think the game changed when Patrick Mahomes threw the ball to Kadarius Toney, who dropped it right into the hands of Brian Branch. Let's take a listen to the call on the Lions Radio Network. Mahomes out of the gun. He's got it, wants to throw. Mahomes back, throws. It is incomplete. Picked off. Picked off by the Lions. Brian Branch with it left side. He's going, baby. He's going to the house. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Deflected in the air. Branch ran under it, and he took it all the way back. A 50-yard touchdown return just completely changed the game as the Lions would go on to score late into the game here with David Montgomery rushing into the end zone for an eight-yard touchdown rush. Here's the Lions Radio Network on the call once again. Lions scrimmage from the Kansas City 8. Goff gives to Montgomery again. He's got room inside the five. Fight into the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. David Montgomery to the house, and the Lions are an extra point away from taking the lead. So it was 21-20 at that point, and I'm thinking, look, I predicted yesterday the Chiefs would come back and win 27-21. I'm looking pretty solid here, but they just couldn't get anything going. Kadarius Toney drops another pass. Patrick Mahomes misses on another, and the Chiefs are forced to go for it on 4th and 25. They missed that opportunity, and the Detroit Lions 
would knock off your Super Bowl champions 21-20. to Here's Andy Reid after the game discussing the game one loss to start the 2023 season against the Lions. Listen, the Lions did a heck of a job. Uh, capitalized on a couple things, and um, we got we got to fix those. So uh, I like some of the efforts. Though. I like the, what I saw on the defensive side for the most part. Um, and, I, you know, there were some good things on offense. We just got to get – we got to be more consistent. I'll take that. That I, You know, I'll take this uh, – the offensive part of that. Um, but we, we um, you know, we did have some good – Good plays in there, but disappointing loss. Good football team that we lost to, but we've, we've got to play better and we've got to coach better, and so um, that's what we'll do. I don't think this was a case of the Kansas City Chiefs not playing well as much as it was that the Detroit Lions have gotten something special going. They might have more momentum than anybody in the NFL with the way last season ended and then the way last night began. Jared Goff, 22 of 35 for 253 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the rushing attack, which was really impressive for the Lions, was basically a two-horse back there with David Montgomery, 21 carries, 74 yards. He also got a touchdown. And then Jameer Gibbs, he had seven rushes, only caught the ball twice. Nine times they got the ball into his hands, but he was unbelievable in those nine touches, combining for 60 yards, basically six yards a touch. He was just so good. The Lions have found something special with Jameer Gibbs offensively. They've got Amon Ross St. Brown playing well on the outside. Sam Laporta played well at tight end. So I think you have to give the Lions credit more than you take this away from the Chiefs. Here's Lions head coach Dan Campbell speaking post-game after the Lions defeated the Chiefs. That's the tennis. Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions. If you can't find that, we'll grab later on in the show. Let's move over to tennis here on the Sports App. All right, U.S. Open. Coco Goff defeats Caroline Muchova in the U.S. Open semifinal. And a, young, a young American into the final. And it looked like we were going to have an all-American final as... Madison Keys was facing off against the two seed Ariana Sabalenka. Keys smoked her in the first set, six love. And it came down to the final game of the second set with Keys serving for the match, 5 3. And she was up 15 0 on Sabalenka. But somehow Sabalenka got it together, used her powerful ground strokes, and completed the three set comeback, coming back in the second set winning in a tiebreak, and then winning in a third set, spoiling the All-American Women's Final. So on the women's side, you will have Coco Goff against Sabalenka. What's so much fun about Coco Goff is that she was coming to the U.S. Open as a kid watching. Now we will all watch her playing in the finals. That's coming up this weekend. Let's move over to the MLB. Every day on the Sports app, we're tracking the Washington Nationals, who had a day off yesterday. Now they host the L.A. Dodgers at Nats Park in Washington, D.C. They are 63-77 and on the season. It's the first game of a three-game series. you got young stud pitcher Mackenzie Gore on the mound for the Nats. But the big story with the Nats, something is brewing with the Nationals' front office. A bunch of scouts got fired. Steven Strasburg had his retirement ceremony planned for tomorrow. 
Well, that's hit a snag. The Nats backed out of the deal, and we're all wondering what's going on because Mike Rizzo was on these airwaves right here, and he told the sports junkies Strasburg would retire with his seven-year, $245 million contract intact, and he would receive the full amount of the payments. Well, now it looks like the Nats have informed Strasburg and his representatives third to say that it wouldn't be happening, according to two people with direct knowledge of the talks. We will all be following this over the next few weeks because there's something going on in Washington, and you're having a pretty decent season when everyone thought this team was going to struggle to win 50 games. They've already won 63, and there's a lot of young talent on the roster. Well, what's going to happen? They just paid Davey Martinez. Is Mike Rizzo going to stay? Are they going to have to replace all these scouts? And will Strasburg eventually retire? Let's move over to basketball here on the sports app. As This game took place this morning. I believe it started at 8 a.m. Team USA and Steve Kerr against Germany in the FIBA World Cup semifinals. Steve Kerr had his team... Fired up, saying that the pressure was on and that they were ready to handle the intensity and fire that the Germans would bring. Well, it wasn't enough. Germany defeats USA 113 to 111. Wow. This, I think, will wake up the stars of the NBA as they sleep in million-dollar mansions and don't care about the FIBA World Cup while we're throwing out there a bunch of youngsters and Anthony Edwards. I'm actually disgusted. America is supposed to be the worldwide leaders in basketball. In basketball, right? I guess Noah Lyles was li- was right when we say, oh, the NBA champion is the world champion. They are not indeed as USA loses to Germany as Daniel Thies, the former Boston Celtic, poured in 21 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists to defeat the USA as they were led by Anthony Edwards, the T-Wolf, with 23 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists. So disappointing loss for the Americans in the semifinals of the FIBA World Cup. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the sport, new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, we got a lot of great college football games to get into today and break down Saturday's action. We'll go through the Sunday slate as well. That's 12 to 3 on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. AWOD Radio. Every weekday from noon to 3. On Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So the game of the week in college football locally, in my world, is UVA hosting JMU. Right now, JMU still favored to win, uh, so that's going to be 12:45. We'll be joined by Noah Fleischman. He'll join us at 12:45 to preview that game. But right now, I wanted to go around the NFL with NFL hits. Every head coach on the hot seat. The hit stories in the NFL. NFL hits on A1 Radio. All right, so let's start by recapping the game last night once again. So the Chiefs failed to win on ring night in their ring ceremony at home at Kansas City. And look, this is one of those games here where a lot of people were picking the Chiefs to win for months. 
But then you heard the news that Travis Kelsey would be out. And at that point, you should have known that the Chiefs' offense might not be good enough to win without Travis Kelsey when you think about how much they use him in that offense. When you talk about the uses of Travis Kelsey, I mean, look what, what happened yesterday. They had nine catches by tight ends, two different guys. Patrick Mahomes wanted to throw to the tight end. He just, when he did, didn't have the same weapon, the same playmaker there. And because of that, a lot of their drives would fall short of the end zone. Lions head coach Dan Campbell was speaking, uh, speaking with the media after the game, and he felt like he didn't learn anything. He knew exactly everything he needed to know about this Lions team. Let's take a listen to Dan Campbell after the game. I didn't learn anything. I got verification on what I already knew. And this is a resilient team. Uh, it already was a resilient team, and we added pieces to that resilient team. So um, we're built to handle some some stuff, and uh, and we did that today against a very good opponent. Look, this is a Lions team here that impressed a lot of people last year. Here's what I'll say is that offense had people open all over the field. Jared Goff was clicking. I mean, he was just getting rid of the ball quickly. He had good flow with his passes. And, you know, he was impressive. And it's kind of funny how Jared Goff and Carson Wentz kind of both went through the same struggles with their career where they made it to the mountaintop and then fell off. Somehow Jared Goff has been able to pick himself back up. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to that, to Dan Campbell and the entire coaching staff of the Lions. They've created something there, and that franchise is humming. They've got some momentum, and they knock off the Kansas City Chiefs 21-20. to Here's Patrick Mahomes after the game. He felt embarrassed losing on ring night. It, like I had said after the ring ceremony, I, I moved on to the next season. Obviously, it's cool for the fans to be able to see the banner and drop it at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, but it, this is a whole new year, and I think uh, I know that. And, um, and we're gonna we're trying to win another Super Bowl, and this is obviously not the way we wanted to start. And so, anytime I lose, I'm embarrassed. Um, and so, I'm gonna try to get better so I don't lose more as the season goes on. All right. So here were my four biggest takeaways from the game. Number one, how did the Chiefs' right tackle get away with a false start? Every single play. Every single play. I just don't understand what the NFL is doing. Are they just helping the Chiefs out? Is it really that difficult for them to make that decision and call him for a false start? He false started every single play, and if the Chiefs had won that game, it would have been the biggest story. Instead, the Lions win, and nobody's talking about it. He legit was getting a head start, like he's running a race, and he was just going before the gun went off, pulling his own version of Seinfeld. On, my, on the game last night, it was just so crazy. And uh, it was so crazy to the point that the NBC booth had to call it out. They said, quite frankly, I don't know how he's getting away with it every single play. That was my number one takeaway. Number two, Mahomes' weapons just dropping pass after pass after pass. Kadarius Tony, my goodness. That's how you know that New York got rid of him and got better. Because he just cannot catch the ball. He was open in space with the game on the line and dropped it. He was open in the first half, dropped it right into the hands of Branch, who goes 50 yards for the touchdown completely changed the game. So my Chiefs side of the ball takeaways were Mahomes' weapon dropping the pass and that false start that was every single play. The Lions have legit weapons, and they need to get more touches for Jameer Gibbs. Just nine touches. They were all impactful. Man, Lions are a team I don't want to play next weekend. Uh, continuing here in the NFL hits, Sporting News predicts every NFL division. And for the NFC East, here's their official prediction. They say the 
Commanders will finish last at 6 and 11. The New York Giants 8 and 9 and third. The Dallas Cowboys 10 and 7 and the Eagles 11 and 6. They say there might be no better microcosm of the NFC than the NFC East. There are a few clear contenders that are fully capable of winning a title, but the depth just isn't there the way it is in other divisions. They say it wasn't surprising that the 2022 season ended a Super Bowl berth for the Eagles. It was perhaps just surprising they didn't win it as they were 14-3 and throughout the entire season and Jalen Hurts vaulted himself into the model quarterback rankings. The rest of the roster was terrific as well. So my issue with this is the results for the Commanders. They have Washington only having a 2.7% chance to win the division. 2.7%. It's like the folks at Sporting News don't understand that this division, the NFC East, has not had a back-to-back champion in 20 years. So you can pretty much cross out the Eagles. They're not going to get it done. Instead, Sporting News gave the Eagles 50% chance to win the division. And the Commanders, just 2.7? How about wild card? I think the wild card is an opportunity for the Commanders if they can win 9 or 10 games. Nope, Sporting News, 9% chance the Commanders get a wild card. 0.3%, less than 1% chance they're the number one seed in the NFC. And 88.3% chance that they miss the playoffs. To me, that's 88% chance that Ron Rivera gets fired at the end of the season. And I don't like that. Look, this is a Washington team that won eight games last year and should get an upgrade at the quarterback position. Sporting News says Sam Howell is the major unknown coming into the year. Well, duh, he's the unknown. He's the question mark around the league. But all the commanders players are saying he's our exclamation mark. We're fired up for Sam Howell locally, and I just think that's another bulletin board material there for the boys in Ashburn. The fact that the commanders are picked 2.7% to win the division and less than 10% to even get into the playoffs? It's just wild. It's disrespectful, and it just tells me that the national media doesn't really understand what's going on here in the DMV with the energy and the electricity in Washington, now that Dan Snyder is gone. The Dan Snyder boom should be good for at least one win right there. Eric Bieniemy should good, be good for another win right there. That's 10. That's why my prediction is 10-7 and seven for the Commanders. Let's go through the rest of, rest of Sporting News predictions here. They have the Bills, 50% chance to win their division, 13% to be the number one seed. That's um, the second high, third highest odds there in the AFC. They have the Bengals winning their tough division. Remember, I'm picking the Ravens there. The Jags, I'm all in on the Jags to win their division as well. The Chiefs, 73% that they bounce back from that first game loss and still win their division. Detroit Lions, 43% chance that they win their division. That's going to be tough, uh, but they got off to a good start. New Orleans Saints, 61% chance that they can win their division with Derek Carr as the new quarterback. But the biggest lock to win their division, according to Sporting News, the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers. And look, I picked the 49ers to win their division as well. Uh, I just think the Cardinals are going to be the worst team in the NFL. The Rams are going to struggle this year. The Seahawks are going to be decent, but decent for the Seahawks is, you know, 9, 10 wins. What did I predict yesterday for the 49ers? Like 12 or 13 wins. So you know I'm all in on the 49ers. And the other big story in the NFL yesterday was their star got paid, right? We're all wondering, is Nick Posa going to 
sit it out. Nope. Nick Bosa gets paid. He will be suiting up this weekend for the San Francisco 49ers. All eyes are on the Chiefs now, and we'll see what happens with their star defensive tackle, Jones, who's been sitting out. He wants a raise. Was that loss enough to get ownership in Kansas City ready to pay their defensive star? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. It's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We'll go around the ACC with Mike Barber at 130. We got University Drive coming up at 1245. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Spend your afternoons with Adam Epstein. AWOD Radio. Every weekday at noon on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. What did you think of that game last night? 833-804-0910. We'd like to make it as interactive a radio show as possible. You could call us. You could always tweet us. If you're in your car or at your cubicle and you're listening to the show on the Odyssey app, it's at 910thefan and at AWOD Radio. So we've got Josh and Christopher producing the show today. Guys, those rainstorms last night were so crazy that my power went out. I thought I wasn't going to be able to watch the game last night. I was freaking out. I couldn't believe it. It was like it started going crazy right at 8 p.m. My apartment was like shaking. It felt like we were in the middle of a hurricane last night. Did you guys I, notice that? It was it was bad for me. I I if I was going to watch the game, I wouldn't have been able to because I didn't have power back till ten thirty. Really? Yeah. So what do you do in that situation? Did you light a match? Did you light a candle? I had a candle. Yeah. Uh, and then you know after after a while, I, I cut my losses and I went to to mom and dad Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Drove home. Yeah. No, I my power went out for about fifteen minutes last night. It, it actually it went out while I was. In the shower. And that is a scary sight. When all of a sudden the lights go out and you're and the hot water is all over you and it's pitch black in my in my bathroom. It was scary. Uh, but the power went back on like right on time, was able to watch the game. But crazy storms. My building, uh, uh, my apartment complex, a few of the rooms flooded. Like, wow. think about that nightmare last night. Yeah. I watched the I watched the game at my buddy Tom's apartment. I came back up to my room after the game and luckily no damage. But I would have had a fit. I mean, could you imagine if you go into your room after, you know, a bit of a rainstorm here and the whole apartment is flooding, it's soaking wet on the floor? My dorm flooded once. Really? Uh, yeah. I was on the third floor and only the third floor flooded. <laughs> and that was in first, Blacksburg, right? Yeah, it was in Blacksburg. It was tech. And uh, the water started streaming in on, wow. onto the carpets in our in our room. It was not fun. Yeah. That's <laughs> not what you want. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done last night. I mean... Because I felt bad for my friend. He, like, called the uh, apartment complex and then went straight to voicemail. They're like, sorry, we got to deal with this in the morning. <laughs> sorry, you have, you might have to sleep underwater tonight, you know. Right. Hopefully you have a water bed. Uh, so we wanted to get to this crazy story that took place in the U.S. Open last night here on the non-sports story of the day. And that was a U.S. Open protester who has been charged with criminal trespass after disrupting the match last night uh, between Coco Goff. And Muchova. And so what happened was one of the men glued his feet to the floor in the U.S. Open as part of the protest. 
He is a 50-year-old man out of White Plains, New York. He was charged with criminal trespass. And another man, a 35-year-old of New York City, was charged as well. It was about 8.05 last night when police were informed of, quote, disorderly individuals inside of Arthur Ashe Stadium, the most famous stadium uh, at the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. And the match is ongoing. And so they paused the match for five minutes and then 10 minutes and then 15 minutes. It went on for 35 minutes because this guy's feet were glued to the floor. I mean, I, uh, the scenes were unbelievable. Now, I will be honest. I was watching the NFL game. You know, I had my eyes glued to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but I was following it on social media and I was losing my mind as the police had to remove his feet from the cement. That's <laughs> that's how tough it was. So he was he was barefoot then, yeah. Barefoot I guess he, you know, like the... that's what I'm thinking. Like he must have come in with shoes and maybe some super glue in his socks, mm-hmm. took his shoes and socks off, put it all over the bottom of his foot and then just Stuck that thing on the ground. <laughs> like, it's the craziest protest ever. I'm glad I mean, he had the, the foresight not to glue his shoes because <laughs> just take the shoes off and yeah, <laughs> and he got him out of there. Yeah, it's just so wild. It's Coco Goff would go on to win the match and advance to the final, but it was just crazy. They are an environmental activist group that took credit for the protest, and they used the slogan, No Tennis on a Dead Planet. Well, that'll, that'll make you feel good on a Friday. <laughs> you know. Calling for an end to fossil fuels. Well, yeah. You know what? They they got their headline on NBC News. Good for them. But, uh, yeah, terrible sight yesterday with basically 40 minutes of a delay because this guy super glued his feet to the floor. I mean, just the craziest thing ever. Uh, another story that came out yesterday Actor Danny Masterson. Now, you guys are familiar with him. I used to watch that 70s show all the time oh, in I high school. About this. Yeah. All right. What was his name, Josh, in that 70s show? His name was Hyde. His name was Hyde. Yep. And so was Hyde. What was there? F- Fez, right? Oh, uh, Wildo from Balama. So I, I thought that show was, was awesome yeah. growing up. I, I used to watch it all the time. Ashton Kutcher, right? Oh, yeah. A great cast. Everyone basically became famous in that cast, except for Danny Masterson. Uh-huh. Well, he was sentenced to 30 years in prison uh, for two counts of rape. 30 uh, to life. Yeah. It was crimes that took place in the early 2000s as he was starring on that 70s show. What's so creepy is that there was a clip that was going viral yesterday in which he was on Conan O'Brien's show in the early 2000s, and he was talking about... Basically, people touching his balls. And Conan O'Brien was like, oh, I, I've heard about you. You'll be caught eventually. And it's just kind of weird that Ooh, that clip is surfacing wow. 20 years later and now at 47 years old. Um, and you, there was there was talk out there that he had used Scientology to avoid accountability. It is it is weird. Like uh, you do. Right. I mean, especially <laughs> the fact that there's the... The strike going on in Hollywood right now, that is, this is the biggest story uh, yeah. that I've seen. Just so crazy. Um, and and it's it just, what a what a terrible person. Like, you just, yeah. you think you see him on TV, and he's the funny guy, you know, he's just getting high in the 70s and talking with his friends in his parents' basement. Yeah. But yet, if there was anyone on that show that was going to be a bad person, I kind of feel like you could have pointed him out, right? Yeah. Probably, you know, especially in retrospect, you look back and it makes you feel gross. Yeah. Because you know that this was happening during the filming of this, this show that we love. Yeah. So, odd. It's, yeah. Another story I wanted to get to earlier this week, but we are just so 
uh, stuck in, in football, college football, and the NFL. And that was the death of Steve Harwell. And I heard the junkies talk about it earlier this week, and they were saying, nobody's really a Smash Mouth fan. I'm going to put my hand up right now and say, I have always been a Smash Mouth fan. And that All-Star was one of my favorite songs of all time growing up. I just was obsessed with it. I wanted to be a rock star. I had the lyrics memorized to that song. See if you can try to pull it up, uh, Josh, while we're doing this. But I just think people are sleeping on the amount of hits that Smash Mouth had. Like, All-Star was just a smash. I'm a believer, their remake for the Shrek movie. That I could play that on repeat over and over again. I just think Steve Harwell had a great voice. And I'm not going to let anyone, you know, kind of say that, oh, it wasn't a big deal. And that, you know, nobody was really a Smash Mouth fan when I was for a long time. And I'm not afraid to say I was a big fan of Smash Mouth um, throughout the 90s and early 2000s. Walking on the Sun was a great one. Then the morning comes. Everyday superhero. They just had hit after hit after hit. But All-Star was probably uh, my favorite one. So rest in peace to Steve Harwell, who passed away on September 4th. This is Dave, head of marketing at a ketchup company. Cut that out, cut that out, cut that out. He's from Santa Clara, California. And um, man, just an awesome career and and an amazing American singer. And they're saying that his cause of death was acute liver failure. And I hate to I hate to hear that. I hate to read about that. And uh, I just I wanted to give him a shout out because I, I love Smash Mouth. And I, I thought that their music was awesome for kids that were born in the 90s, at least in my opinion. If you grew up and you loved Shrek and like I loved my favorite movie for 10 years straight was Rat Race and Smash Mouth performs live at the end of Rat Race. And wow, so it took me back to my childhood when I saw uh, of his, his passing. So uh, I definitely wanted to mention that today before we got to the end of the week. You've been listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Were there any other non-sports stories that I missed this week? Uh, Jimmy Fallon recently, 18 of his workers came out yep. and said that he was not a cool guy. I put that on, oh, I actually cool put guy. that on Don't the outline that. for Netflix. We'll, okay. get, to so we'll later, get to that later because oh apparently he's... The exact same person as Ellen DeGeneres, no. right? That they're both terrible people. Just not a fun guy to be around. No. And here's what I will say is that he's always been phony. I thought oh, he was yeah. funny. Oh, yeah. And I, I still say Fever Pitch is a great movie. All right. With him, <laughs> all right. But with him and Drew Barrymore. But he's always fake laughing with people on his show. And I, I've always been mm. turned off by it. I think he's funny. I think he's hilarious. I think he's witty. I think he's quick. But I think he's kind of a fraud. And um, so I wasn't really surprised to hear that people don't like working with him. We'll break it down that story further on Netflix coming up today at 2.15. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Your home for AWOD Radio. Every weekday from noon to 3. On Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. AWOD Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. You can always tweet us throughout the show. If it's a good tweet, we'll read it on air at AWOD Radio and at 910, The Fan. We'll catch up with Tailgate Ted, get the latest on his tailgate at FedEx Field for the season opener against the Arizona Cardinals. He'll join the show at 2.30, I'll make my official prediction for our Odyssey NFL Survivor Pool 
at 2 p.m. And then we'll go around the ACC with the ACC beat reporter for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Mike Barber. So we got a lot to get to on the show still today. But right now, it's time to catch you up on anything you might have missed. In the world of college football, there's a ton of big games this weekend as we break it on down on University Drive. Let's go to University Drive. Scores, rivalries, rankings, all the college football in the state of Virginia. We'll follow the action all season long. College football, baby! University Drive on AWOD Radio. All right, so before we get to the colleges locally, I want to go through a few of the big games. 3.30 on ESPN2, 20th-ranked Ole Miss against Tulane. Both teams 1-0 on the season. Uh, Ole Miss predicted... The line is 7.5 right now. I don't think they cover that spread. I think Tulane keeps it close, but I do like the over of 66.5. This is going to be a high-scoring affair. Uh, Ole Miss put up four touchdowns with quarterback Josh Dart and 334 yards in their opener. Texas A&M going to Miami. 23rd-ranked Texas A&M Aggies against the U. That's going to be a good one. 3.30 p.m. on ABC. And then... Uh, probably the game of the weekend in college football is number 11 Texas going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to face off against the Roll Tide. Third ranked Alabama, 1-0 on the season. Line is Alabama minus 7. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I do like uh, Ewers, Quinn Ewers, the quarterback for Texas. And Alabama, it feels like it takes them a few weeks to really get going, and then they start blowing teams out. I think this was going to be a really close, entertaining game. That's 7 p.m. Saturday on ESPN. Then you also have Oregon, the 13th seed, uh, traveling to face off against Texas Tech. Let's move over to Virginia Tech here on University Drive. As the Hokies will be in Blacksburg hosting the Purdue Boilermakers. This is going to be a tough battle for the Hokies, who got a solid victory in Week 1 against ODU. And uh, really, I was actually impressed with, with Grant Wells. I thought that Kyron Jones might have been the better answer this season at quarterback with his ability to run. Uh, but Wells had a good command of the offense. Both wide receivers that they brought in the transfer portal look great in lane and Ali Jennings, who led the team in receptions and receiving yards. Uh, Virginia Tech is favored in this matchup because it's at home. It's sold out Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. You know they'll be fired up as soon as they hear enter Sandman. I'm going to go with the line. I got Virginia Tech winning this game. Purdue, you know, Purdue started their season with a loss, so you know that they are going to be hungry for this road win here in Blacksburg, but I'm going to give credit to the fan base. Everyone's fired up. Year two of the Brent Pry era. The offense looks solid. I got the Hokies winning. Now let's go over to JMU with the Dukes, and that is our game of the week here on University Drive. And joining us to break it down right now as the Dukes travel to UVA to face off against the Hoos at Scott Stadium, it's Noah Fleischman with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Noah? Hey, Adam, how are you? Going pretty good, man. So what are your thoughts about this matchup here? Break it down. No, it's the first time in, you know, 40 years these two teams will, will play each other, and it's going to be a good one, right, on Saturday afternoon at noon. It's going to be it's going to be a good time, and I think it's going to be a good game. I, I don't think either team will blow out the other one. And, you know, the line is kind of a touchdown spread going towards JMU. Yeah. I think it'll be closer than that. 
Yeah, when you saw the line in JMU's favor at, on the road, what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, you, we saw what UVA did kind of last week against Tennessee. It kind of struggled. But Tennessee, you know, being a top 15 team in the country, you know, it's not anything crazy. JMU's not a top 15 team. So it's kind of surprising to see them favored on the road at an ACC opponent like Virginia. Um, but especially since JMU didn't play its best brand of football in week one against Bucknell. Will we see multiple quarterbacks for the Dukes, or is it just going to be uh, McLeod? I could see it being multiple. McLeod's the guy that's that's going to start, but I could definitely see Alonzo Barnett getting in the game kind of as that running quarterback. He can run a lot better than McLeod can. So if they want to put a package in to allow him to use his legs and run, he scored a touchdown on the ground in week one. So I could see that happening, but I think McLeod will get a bulk of the snaps at quarterback. How do you feel about JMU's offensive line and defensive line going up against UVA? I, I usually feel like when you look at different conferences, like comparing the Sun Belt to the ACC, it's usually the big boys up front. How do you feel about the Dukes' chances? Yeah, I think you know that's the biggest difference when you look at the, you know the different levels, as you said. And, and JMU's offensive line is, is you know all five are back from last year, and, and they have experience. So I don't think playing against you know bigger bodies per se. Is it too big of a deal? I think in, in you look at it, Jamie's offensive line, they're all 300 pounds or heavier, so they're not really a, a small offensive line. Defensive line, they're kind of undersized and undermanned a little bit, but that's kind of the way they like to go is, you know, have the quick guys on the defensive front. And James Carpenter kind of leads the way there. He's a smaller nose guard, but he can get into the backfield. And I think, you know, when he puts his head down and goes forward, he has really good success. And UVA's line struggled last week, so I think he has an opportunity to, to make a big impact in this one. Tomorrow, 12 noon, JMU at UVA. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline covering the James Madison Dukes football team is Noah Fleischman. Noah, it is going to be an emotional game as UVA honors the three students, student-athletes who tragically lost their life last year. And uh, it's sold out. It's going to be packed stadium. How do you think JMU will be able to handle that? I, I know UVA is going to try to get off to a really fast start. Yeah, you know, JMU, Coach Kurt Signetti kind of mentioned, you know, talked about that a little bit this week, and he said, you know, they're just trying to take the emotion out of the game for, you know, JMU. They don't want them to get caught up in, you know, the crowd and everything that's going around around the game. They want them to just go out there and play. And he's calling it basically a business trip and, and wants them to be laser-focused on the game, and I think so far the team has taken that message to heart, and we'll see what happens tomorrow when the ball gets kicked off. But they've played in, you know, these big environments before and have played well, you know, in deep runs in the FCS playoffs. So I don't think it's too much of a different thing for them. You know, they went to North Dakota State and had success there, which, you know, that environment is crazy in itself. So I think, you know, 50,000-plus in Charlottesville, it's going to be a good one. And I'd expect a lot of JMU fans in the crowd, too. So I think mm. the atmosphere as a whole as a whole is going to be really good. Where do you think the team's at momentum-wise right now? Because you look at the box score and you see, wow, 38-3. to But from everything I've been reading online, fan base was not happy with that game. You had a ton of turnovers, and uh, they just didn't look like they were flying on all cylinders. Yeah, the offense kind of struggled in the first half a little bit with Alonzo Barnett. They, they put in McLeod, and it kind of worked a little bit better, you know, passing-wise at least. The running game was, you know, solid from the start. Defense was all right in the first half. They allowed 200 yards, but in the second half they allowed four. So I think the defense found its rhythm in the second half, and that's just a week one thing. you got to kind of find your groove with no preseason. But I think, you know, when you look at it, they're still finding themselves a little bit, and I think this week can really set the tone for the rest of the year if they can go in the Charlottesville and come out with a win. Let me hear your official prediction. 17-14 in favor of the Dukes. Oh, 
17-14, according to Noah Fleischman. He's the JMU football beat writer at the Daily News Record. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yep, good talking to you. That's Noah Fleischman. Follow him on social media at Fleischman underscore Noah. I'm at AWAD Radio, A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. So that was University Drive talking all of the football here in the state of Virginia. I know we left out a few schools. We'll get you guys later on in the show today. When we return, we will have the Richmond Commander. Washington opens their season at home, sold out, FedEx Field, RG3, welcome home. He'll be in the building. I'll give you AWOD's keys to victory next on The Fan.